Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I'm Clark Coffey, and with me today is Cullen McFader, and we're on, wow, episode six, amazing, where we discuss Herzog's masterclass from masterclass.com, uh, his lesson seven, which is all about locations. So, mm -hmm. Cullen, thanks so much for being with me again today. I look forward to this conversation. Thank you, sir. No worries. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting lesson because... Um... As, as we both know, it starts out with uh, Aguirre, which is probably the most stark and, and striking opening of any of his yeah, movies. Yeah, definitely um, one of the most memorable, huh? And he's got the, you know, that's when he has the people tied to trees because it was such a steep, you know, <laughs> cliff face that they were walking oh down and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm telling you, uh, when I when I first, I remember when I first saw this, saw Aguirre and uh, first saw this opening scene, I don't know about you, I have kind of a thing with heights. Mm -hmm. uh, as in I'm scared to death of them, um, <laughs> but only in specific situations. And it just so happens like being on the side of a mountain would be one of those situations. Yeah. And yeah. literally my palms and feet started to sweat <laughs> when I, I mean, saw this, when I saw this opening to this movie, it, it is so extraordinarily shot and does such a mm -hmm. good job of showing the scale and the danger of this expedition and sets a scene so amazingly. Yeah, and to think about carrying a camera up there, too. I mean, oh, it's insane. Yeah, I know. I mean, I literally, I think my feet and palms are sweating now just thinking about it. Yeah. But uh, but definitely does a good job highlighting the importance of location. I mean, imagine uh, that film having been opened with any other scene. And I just, yeah. it would be Or something that was same. fake, something that was shot on a set on a green screen or something like that, right? Ooh, yes. Well, we definitely can get into that a bit more. Of course, Herzog's stance on that is that... Um, is that uh, you know one of his goals as he sees as a filmmaker is to have an audience believe their eyes, mm -hmm. and and I agree it's vital. And uh, in today's world of Marvel films, which don't get me wrong, have their wonderful charms for sure, but uh, so many films are so full of green screen and CGI now that you just don't believe any. You literally don't believe anything that you're seeing on the screen. I think it yeah. takes takes a lot of the visceralness out of it, but. Um, but yeah, so, okay, so locations, important. Um, I think, you know, Herzog goes into a little bit of what he had to do to get that location. Uh, months and months of, uh, obviously, he had to, first of all, travel to the Amazon to begin with. And then yeah. he had to spend months of his life in the Amazon, going up and down rivers and, uh, you know, hiking up hills and mountains and the jungle. And uh, I, I probably a lot more than most people would do to find a location. Do you have mm -hmm. any fun stories of of what you've had to do to scout certain locations uh, before? I mean, I'm trying to think of any I might have. Scouting is is always I think it's it's both fun and hell depending on what the project is. Uh, um, yeah. But I remember I mean one of my favorite locations I've ever shot was Iceland, which is, you know, Oh wait, intense. wait. Now you you have shot you've shot in Iceland, is that correct? Am I hearing yeah. this? Yeah. Oh not yes. narrative. I shot documentary footage there, but yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that experience. I mean, uh we're gonna kinda jump back and forth here at, you know, um you know, kind of discussing what Herzog uh, thinks about locations, but also sprinkling in some of our own experiences. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little bit about that, what the project was, how you found yourself in Iceland, and and, and how that all kind of came together. Um, I mean, honestly, it was a project that was born 
out of just the desire to go to Iceland, really. Ah, okay. Um, it was a, a friend of mine and I just just wanted to go somewhere, and I thought, you know, so I it's like one of those a... old Elvis films where yeah, they exactly. would like, they, you know, they okay, go to Hawaii we, and... we want to go to Hawaii, <laughs> so let's just put a film in Hawaii, and then we we'll yeah. get to spend a few months in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. And so okay. what I did actually though was I, I so it was quite. I mean, I say it was documentary. It was sort of half. The footage that I actually got there um, is still sort of in the cutting room on a project that I've been wanting to make for ages, which is an adaptation of um, The Old Man and the Sea. It's mm. like kind of like a science fiction adaptation of that, which would be kind of a 30-minute-ish short film. Okay. And um, I wanted to start it out on a alien planet. And that alien planet was going to be Iceland because Iceland that's looks a good, like another planet. That's a good place to pick. Um, yeah. I've but I wound been, up getting but... so much footage there that I just turned some of that footage into kind of a visceral auditory sort of audiovisual experience, which was kind of fun. And that, that also was just a short film that I put up. But um, but no, I mean, Iceland is a country where 10 minutes uh, apart, it can go from sunny, sunny, sunny to snow to rain to, you know, wind that is knocking you off your ass and it's like uh i remember one of the days that we shot or we went was that we went to the famous black sand beach which is like this volcanic ash beach and mm. then the sky was overcast and the water was white so you get this incredible contrast between these white foamy waves coming up on this this jet black beach um and it was like you know it's one of the most dangerous beaches in the world because the waves, you know, it's the North Atlantic. People are not really aware of the fact that the waves can come in mm. 30 meters more than, than the last break the of previous, waves. Yeah. And, and, you know, people have died. There's, I think, Oh, wow. I might, I might, this might be a rumor, but I'm pretty sure there's an average of about one death per year on that beach just okay. from people not being aware of the fact that the waves come in. But I mean, there's points where you're like around a corner, kind of in a cave, and suddenly the, the waves will come in so far that you can no longer get out of the cave to go back mm. around to where you get out. You kind of just have to wait for the waves to subside. That sounds somewhat terrifying. So, yeah, so now cool, were you though. kind of, so, so you wanted to go to Iceland and you yeah. thought to yourself, okay, how am I like, what, what can I do since I want to go to Iceland? Then you kind of, you put that in front and said, okay, what film can I make? Were you making kind of like a lessons of darkness type thing a little bit when you said it was kind of like, was it kind of an abstraction of the landscape? Um, sort of. Yeah. yeah. So I mean the, so the, the film that actually came out that I've been, that I've made the short film um, was very much not planned in, the, in advance. It was it was okay. something that again I just had the footage to do and I cut it together. So maybe maybe not the best example of what Herzog's talking. Yeah, about. perhaps not. But that's okay. <laughs> no, but that's okay because I think you know. Look, uh, to just take a step back here for a second. I mean, a lot of us as uh, filmmakers that don't have the same kind of you know access to money or uh, as Herzog might, what he even, of course, is challenged by that. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, oftentimes you have to you have to shoot with what you've got. You have to shoot with what's available. And oftentimes the location can dictate kind of what you're able to shoot. So uh, Herzog doesn't really talk about this so much in his lesson, but, you know, we can kind of speak to, you know, really utilizing the locations that you've got and then somewhat writing the story around that to incorporate that. So, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a valid way to do it, you know? And I think, I mean, I think that um, it, it location is so intertwined with story, obviously intertwined with story. There's that, no question. You know, an ex another example, like sort of 
just another quick anecdote um, is the the western that I made last year. Um, of course, when you're shooting something like that, that's period. You have to make sure that your locations are basically locked off from any semblance of, right. of modernity. Right. So not going to work if you've we, got a highway in the background with semi exactly. trucks driving back and forth. Yeah. And, and we got to uh, there's a there's a provincial park. Um, maybe an hour and a half north of Toronto uh, called Forks of the Credit. And it is this beautiful, beautiful park, but it's one of those places that you can go and essentially set up a camera and turn it 360 degrees and, and you see nothing. Ah. And so, you know, it's like an hour hike through this forest, which we had to carry all the gear through and, you know, yeah. get to this waterfall and all this stuff. And very, very fun, very tiring, but a lot of fun. But yeah, again, it's one of those things where it's like that location without that location, I don't think anything well, would have felt the way that it did. And that's an interesting little microcosm. I mean, certainly, you know, you're not spending three months in the Amazon, but it was a challenge to get there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think I've worked on a lot of different types of projects. Some of those projects uh, I was in control of, some I weren't, but it, you know, I, I have definitely been a part of projects where the location was kind of an afterthought, right? Mm -hmm. Where the, here's the script, this is what we're going to do. Okay, we've got our cast, da, 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 you know, all these things are kind of laid out. And then it's like, okay, where are we going to shoot this? You know, and uh, I've been even where the director wasn't even a part of the cat, you know, the, uh, the location scouting or where it was really just, you know, very little thought was put into it, unfortunately. And, you know, they had done all this work and pre-production on so many other things. And we kind of get, you know, now we're down to a sliver of our schedule that's left for pre-production. And then now it's like, where are we going to shoot this thing? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so, you know, it can so make or break your yeah, film. Film can suffer for it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, really, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people are like, obviously cast is vital, you know, obviously the script is vital. Um, and a, so much emphasis is put on those things and rightfully so they're, they're important, but I, so many times I've seen where location is an afterthought and whether it's an exterior or interior, uh, I mean, it, it, you cannot overstate the importance. Mm -hmm. And especially, especially as, you know, uh, maybe a, a filmmaker who's just starting out or a filmmaker who doesn't have a huge budget, one of the, the, the most opportunity to increase your, your production you know the your your production design to to is is to is to find an amazing location whether it's an interior yeah. or exterior but you could oh my gosh that can just you know just blow up the oh. size and scope of your film and um so there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to there i mean i think it's work. hilarious because i'm sure that you agree that whenever i go to a new i went to uh i some friends and i rented a cottage this summer to go up for my birthday up uh, in cottage country north of again north of toronto mm -hmm. um and this place that we rented anytime i go into a new place my immediate thought is like how can i shoot oh, here yes yes yes. and so yes. like and it was this beautiful beautiful old dark yes. wood kind of stone make a on note the of outside that. farmhouse and i did yeah yes and that's, it's again it's one of those things that in the feature that i'm coming up on right now that is one of the potential locations that we're like let's see if we can rent that in the spring and, and absolutely shoot our movie there absolutely um, and so it's a this is an important kind of just um you know a simple logistical thing i mean in your day-to-day -day life always kind of be thinking you know, how might I use this location again at another time? Or mm -hmm. what stories might even spring forth from this location? You know, sometimes the story can be inspired by the location that you've got available. So, but I'm curious too, I want to go back to the story where you said, you know, you had to go hiking kind of out into the rural area a little bit to find a location for your Western. Uh, 
and I, cause I think this is really important to Herzog's way of working. I, I tell me about if or not, or how, uh, if so, that trek out into the woods kind of flavored or had an impact on the actual shooting that you did there. Cause I have a hunch that the investment that you had to make in getting all the way out there and how that location kind of had its own vibe or have it had its own kind of impact on your crew and cast. Did it? Tell me about that a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. I mean, it was imagine, funny because yeah. as we walked out there, we actually would stop occasionally and shoot some unplanned scenes mm-hmm. um, that, you know, for there was a, there was a big montage sequence in it that of like a travel kind of sequence and we would just kind of be walking to basically at the end of this hike there's a big waterfall that was the goal of where we were trying to get and that was the point of it Mm. but you know occasionally we'd be like that tree looks really cool let's you know set up here for 10 minutes and get a shot of of our our lead actor walking around that tree or sleeping on it or something and then right um, it it inspired other other shots right and it even got to a point where we as we were walking there we found a location for another scene that we didn't shoot that day because we needed our other actors there but it was one of those things where we didn't know we were going to shoot that scene and we saw this great lakeside location and we went that's perfect let's let's come back here um in a few weeks with our other actors and and shoot that scene there but i think that it was i mean it was a super super small shoot like it was literally me um a another guy who was sort of the stand-in for the villain because uh, he was very, very much off screen. Like it was basically just an over the shoulder that we needed that villain for. Yeah. Um, and then the lead actor and that stand in guy was also helping me with some gear and stuff like that and, and some behind <laughs> sure. the scenes low sound and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think, it, I mean, it was a lot of, it really, I think, if anything, and it's, it goes back to kind of like we mentioned before that whole idea of green screen versus, you know, doing it for real, which I think not only for the audience to believe in it, like I kind of want to add something on to that point, I think it makes the actors almost believe in it more too. Like if you're even down to, if you have a special effect in something, there's a huge difference between acting, you know, opposite a puppet versus acting opposite a tennis ball on like a C-stand. Well, that does Um, something. You know, being in a location absolutely affects you. Exactly. The cast and crew. And I want to, and and it's interesting, you know, I want to tie this in a little bit to, to this walking thing. You know, if... If you've not in this lesson, I don't think, but in in le- in other lessons, uh, and in other interviews and discussions that Herzog had, he talks about the importance of walking as a mode of traveling. Yes, and yeah. I just want I think this is an interesting time to bring this up. And uh, in the masterclass, now we've not talked a lot, or maybe at all, frankly, about the exercises that go along with the masterclass videos. But mm-hmm. I want to bring up one of them here because I think it's it's especially interesting, uh, and and it's changed actually since uh, when the class was first put up, and now there mm-hmm. is a uh, there's an exercise that talks about walking, and it, in its original form, the exercise was to walk a hundred miles in any direction yeah and i think now it says something like just walk a little bit or walk yeah. you know i i don't remember the exact Some verbatim sort of verbiage but it's you know right they've taken the hundred miles out and i have a hunch it's maybe because the legal team looked at it and was like ah we might get some people you know who get lost or get hurt and then they come back and say hey but you master class you told me to go walk a hundred miles so I have a hunch that maybe that's what happened. But mm-hmm. when you and I took the class, when it was first uploaded, it was 100 miles. 
And, um, and I did that exercise, of course, not in one day, but over the course of, I think it took me four days or so. Um, and I had actually did it near you, um, around, around Niagara and Toronto. Um, and, uh, I just want to say, I mean, you talked about how just in this brief kind of hike that you took where you kind of started to, to become one with your environment, you started to become aware of other opportunities for scenes and, uh, you know, uh, other shots. And I just want to say in general, it is, I really do agree with Herzog here, the importance of walking as a mode of travel uh, to help you just heighten your senses, be more present, notice more around you, take some walks around your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And instead of driving, instead of, you know, where you're preoccupied and you're just on your way somewhere and the journey's not important, make the journey the thing. And go walk. Spend, I mean, days uh, walking your neighborhood and you'll start to see your environment in such a different way. You'll see things that you never noticed before and you may really find some extraordinary locations to shoot. Here's a here's a question for you. Did you have any moments on your walk where you went, I could shoot a movie about that or you know, I could, you know, like any story ideas pop in your head or location ideas Absolutely. or something? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um it you know, it was a so there was that, but it was also just, you know, let me see it without trying to digress too much. I mean, it also, I think, is important for your state of mind as mm-hmm. as an artist or as a creator, not to get too highfalutin here. But I there's something about kind of separating yourself from the day to day routine and the focus on getting stuff done and the focus of your goals and tasks and the, just the speed at which our life kind of uh, is lived in today's day and age. There's something about pulling yourself out of that a bit mm-hmm. and getting your feet on the ground and your head in the, you know, and just being outside and the sun on your face and the wind uh, at your back. Hopefully, maybe it's in your face. You're having to go against it. But either way, yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, but but to really like be connected and be present. And, you know, Herzog talks about that, that in this lesson. He says, you know, look, when I when I was shooting a Gary or maybe it was Fitzcarraldo, I think one of the two of those films, he's like, you know, I went and I ate their food. I lived in their villages. I, you know, he in the same way that he's emphasized becoming one with your subject. And this is when we're talking about the Peregrine book and uh, is also about becoming one with your location to extent mm-hmm. and, and allowing that yeah. to impact you, to impact you in a poetic way and to raise your, like to heighten your senses. And I think that's what walking did for me. I and mean, I felt like it heightened my senses. It slowed me down and made me more present. Mm-hmm. And, and absolutely it's, uh, so, so more than just, did I get some story ideas or did I find some locations I just felt like it was generally healthy and inspirational as just an artist in general. It's like a meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and I've used meditations as preparations to kind of, whenever I go into an artistic endeavor, again, I don't want to like get too far off the beaten path here, but what the heck, just real quick. Um, it's like when I was primarily pursuing acting, I would, when I was getting ready to, you know, do some homework to work on a scene or work on a, you know, work on whatever kind of story I was working on, I would take about 15 minutes to a half hour to separate myself from the day, to separate myself from the 
my daily routines, my daily worries, and I would usually pick some kind of literature to meditate on. Uh, it was often uh, the first letter of Rilke, or it was some Joseph Campbell. Um, but I would use that to kind of separate myself from regular life. And mm -hmm. I feel like walking is a really great way to do that, too. So um, now I, mean, I think... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and and now I've kind of forgotten the, <laughs> the original thread here. No, well, I think I mean I think it's interesting that you mentioned the idea of like getting into your surroundings and stuff because again, just to kind of go back to when we were talking about that, the, even just the hike to the waterfall that I that I was mentioning. Yeah, that the you know the lead actor he got like sweaty and got you know it actually felt like he had gone on this <laughs> right. this this long journey to to his family's farm which was the idea of the scene but and you know, which it is really it, it's kind of a microcosm a little bit of like let's look at you know a gary or if it's Geraldo again both of those films i mean you have a cast and a crew who are actually going on a real journey and they're actually yeah. really doing the things that the film is about um, not that that always has to be the case but i think that there is a correlation there there is you know it's like like you were saying to actually get out there in nature to take this walk to do this thing and to pull yourself into sort of kind of another world probably really helped uh your actor yeah. not just in the physical aesthetics that you describe but probably in the mindset as well i'm gonna guess mm -hmm. yeah definitely i mean and it's also again i think it's also one of those things where there's almost this this like switch of psychology that happens where where people often think like oh people are going to be pissed off if it's you know the weather's bad or if we have to be out in location i find that people uh. usually are happier to be out on location like people <laughs> yeah people really at least in my experience have really enjoyed shooting like even if it's in the winter i mean i've i've this is not a movie i made but i did shoot we had a really bad winter here two years ago we've had a bad couple of winters but um i thought you guys was, always had bad winters or i mean maybe it's that's been, just it's compared been relatively to southern california <laughs> sometimes yeah exactly yeah but um but it was it was colder here than the surface of mars uh what? two years ago i think oh, and do you, do you have um, a fahrenheit and fa a fahrenheit number for us uh, i mean at American? that at that temperature i think fahrenheit and celsius are pretty much the same it's like <laughs> a negative 45 degrees celsius oh my gosh um which fahrenheit that's crazy. But no, and it was so, yeah, it was, it was colder Ridiculous than negative yeah, 49 cold, yeah. Fahrenheit. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, colder than the temperature of uh, the surface of Mars. And like so cold that the cameras weren't working. Like we would turn on a camera and it ah. would work for maybe two minutes and stop working. But was there this, was also was this like, a red? Was this a red or a black? No, this magic? was a FS. This was a my camera. This was a FS or FX7, um, I think. Okay. Sony FX7. And, um, Again, it was, it was, but it was like, there was honestly like an, there was kind of an element of charm of just like feeling like, you know, this is filming, like we're out here making a movie in the winter and this is kind of what we get. And there was, nobody was in bad spirits. Nobody was in, you know, a grumpy mood or anything. Everyone was kind of like, yeah, you know what this is. And I think it's it similarly with the group that, you know, you and I met through, um, how many times did we sort of, you know, half jokingly, but also half seriously say like, Hey, if we got a spot to shoot a movie in Antarctica, I'd be on that plane in a, an instant. Like yeah. it, it was one of those things too, where it's like it'll be difficult and it'll be cold and it'll be you know hellish and I weather think that's conditions. That's part but, of it, right? But I that... think you know there's that there's that yeah there's that kind of 
warlike attitude where you're like, let's go through the, the it's a trenches journey. and yeah. it's an adventure. And I, yeah. yeah and I agree. I, I mean, I think, uh, it certainly is a good way to separate the people who are truly invested in your project and those who aren't, if you do have somebody who's completely unwilling to go on that adventure and go on that journey within reason, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I just mm -hmm. want to take a step back and say, you know, you should be providing some necessities to your casting oh, crew. Oh, of and, course. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, within reason. But yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that draws most of us to filmmaking is that it is an adventure. Um, it's, a, it's a collaborative adventure. It's a journey. And it's often one that does involve quite a bit of struggle and challenge, but it's also one that involves a lot of finding yourself and um, coming to understand yourself and other people better uh, through these challenges and overcoming them. So, or, or enduring them sometimes, maybe you don't always overcome them, but just enduring them alone mm -hmm. is um, so, yeah, I, I think that location is a big part of that. I, and again, it's, you know, I can, can you imagine, you know, a Gary, if they would have filmed that in a studio uh, pool or, Fitzcarraldo, <laughs> if they would have, you know, filmed that with miniatures. I mean, it, it's laughable because, you know, it's it's just so integral to the film. Yeah, it makes such a huge difference. I mean, even <laughs> just, just you, you, I mean, look at any, you look at any movie. And of course, like I'll, I mentioned this a lot because they're, they're movies that I grew up with at least. But um, the like Lord of the Rings is a movie that's filled with special effects. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it's, it's but, like. Three quarters uh, of those films are CGI. But at the same time, you look at the locations that they went to for those that movie. Like you know, they built the Shire. They went and built a a, a, mount, a castle on the top of a mountain. And then you look at the difference between those movies and how how real and authentic those movies do feel in a lot of those moments where they are legitimately on location. Yeah. Versus something like The Hobbit, which again, same director, same franchise. Yeah. But ninety nine percent of The Hobbit was shot on green screen, whereas very very little of the live action stuff in lord of the rings was shot on green screen most yeah. of the special effects in lord of the rings are just miniatures that would have been otherwise impossible to shoot and i do feel like and i do feel like the weakest parts of the lord of the rings trilogies are those just full-blown cgi sequences yeah. frankly yeah. you know i feel that is the weakest i mean i look i and and i yeah i you know location is a is a vital aspect of having a real location grounding people to to being able to believe their own eyes in a film. And I mean, mm -hmm. I, I just want to use this as an opportunity to throw in one of my favorite films of all time. It's not a Herzog film, but <laughs> but the but the Mad Max films. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just going to try to find one. a way. I'm just going to try to find a way to like bring in George Miller and Mad Max <laughs> yeah, films. No, everywhere. You know, even though they're yeah. everywhere. But I mean, I do want to say, I mean, look, you know, uh, especially I'll use the Road Warrior as an example. That, that last 30 minutes of that film where... Um, You've got this this thirty minute long uh, car chase. Basically, is one hundred percent real. It's mm -hmm. real stunt men and women at speed in real cars on a real road in the middle of you know the actual uh, Australian desert outback. You know, uh, performing these stunts, and it's still one of the greatest thirty minutes of just of kinetic filmmaking that I've ever seen. And the reason being, it's real. And you and look you at the newest one it. too, though. Like even Fury Road, so much of that movie was real. Yes, absolutely, they, absolutely. They, they I don't mean to take away. Off. Yeah, and that film as well. Although they did utilize CGI there yeah. a lot yeah. um, to manipulate backgrounds and things like and that. Those big dust storms and things like that. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but, but you're the only right. the reason I wanted to mention that was just because I like I think it's so integral to kind of talk about the fact that it still can be done. 
that you know you don't like i think a lot of people just think that okay cgi is the way you do it these days but even a movie in a movie that i'm not even that big of a fan of but um interstellar the nolan one from 2014 a lot of that matthew mcconaughey yeah like they went out to glaciers they even the even the miniature effects are like they they used uh projectors instead of green screens to project yeah. stars on the outside of like spaceship windows and things like that which, it can be again, done yeah not the yeah. hugest fan of that movie but but i think that the special effects and things like that and the way that they went and used locations and real real you know ver- uh visceral kind of things that you can feel and you can touch i think that's the the important thing i don't think cg is ever going to get to a point that um that will be able to perfectly replicate that because simply put i think that you know there's there's just a difference on set that exactly people who are making even the movie even know. when cgi gets to the place where it can perfectly perfectly emulate reality it will not have done that for a cast and crew and yeah. and yeah. i think that's <clears throat> that's that's really vital so i mean let's see um what else do you know i I, I want to talk about, so we've talked about the importance of um, location, and I think we've made it pretty clear. We agree with Herzog. Locations are vital. It's an amazing opportunity for you as a filmmaker to increase your production value, mm-hmm. to to connect your audience viscerally, to have them believing their own eyes when they watch your film, you know, and but let's talk about okay well like how do you get these locations then right i mean yeah. okay so yes locations are important sure we all agree how do we get these locations and herzog you know and you and, won't get them all <laughs> and you well you certainly won't get them all but you know and and it, of course and uh, it wouldn't be herzog if this weren't the case uh, you know, I love on the one hand, he says, hey, you've got to be respectful of permits and respectful, be, you know, act with honor with the people that you you meet and come in contact with. Um, he has several examples of, you know, giving his word when he said he wouldn't use footage. I think it was in North Korea. Yes. Because, um, yeah. you know, couldn't see the faces of these soldiers. Uh, but then, of course, you know, in in the previous breath, he talked about uh, forging permit documents, and even forging, you know, the Peruvian president's signature on a <laughs> on a military a, on kind a, of on a pa- per- on past right. thing, yeah. yeah, on a with, with a permit with for a location there. And so, I just I love how he does that. I mean, it's it's one of the things that's so endearing to me about Herzog is that he is like the antithesis of dogmatic. I mean, it seems like he's just look, you know, situation to situation, you've got to you know, think about what, you know, each of these situations and some of them may call for forging documents and some of them may call for being completely honest and honorable. Um, it's just so interesting. Do but... you have any experience? I've, I've a, a somewhat experience that is sort of similar. Maybe it was a little bit. Okay, of my let's hear it. Out. Yeah, let's um, hear it. So again, for this Western, um, we had, we've been looking for a few locations. So there's a law in Ontario that you can't, a farmer can't burn down a barn for some reason. Like if you want to rebuild okay, your barn, you can't burn it down. I don't know you why. Can, you have to tear it down. I guess yeah. maybe is it like an environmental... Like, maybe something like yeah. that. However, there's a caveat in that law that you are allowed to burn it down if it is for a movie. So there are a whole bunch of barns <laughs> around Ontario, like farmers who are like, I just want to burn down my barn. So they'll let you burn it down for free and shoot now, it. Now, this is... I have never heard anything like this before. Yeah, which is, this I is think, amazing. is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but we... So unfortunately, we did not want 
wind up burning down a barn as much as we wanted to. Um, however, we were looking at all these locations like old historic houses and again, this this provincial park near me. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to do the official thing where we were getting in touch with all these places and saying, hey, we want to shoot here. Um, you know, what's, what's like the process of getting a permit and blah, blah, blah. Um, and a lot of times it was things where it's like, well, you need upwards of a million dollars of insurance, blah, 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 stuff like that. And it's like, well, we are a tiny, you know, it's like four person crew with a shoestring budget. We don't yeah. have that type of money. So, um, we did eventually just kind of go, let's just bring our cameras. Let's just bring a lot of backpacks and, and go for a hike. And just every once in a while we'll set up, um, <laughs> right. you know, set up shop. Now the most, I would say risky uh time we did that was uh same location that provincial park and it was one i mentioned earlier that we had we said let's come back here and shoot this location that's seen here at this lakeside thing yeah. it's a really beautiful location the issue with that part was that the initial place we were going to shoot that that was less interesting was very close to my house and it needed guns fake guns of course right um and so it was yeah, way less be risky because we were right at our house yeah so we said how can we possibly shoot this and be careful and make sure that there's nothing going to be you know the police are going to be called or the people aren't going to freak out and that we're not going to get arrested because at least Um, here in america i don't know about canada but you know i mean cops could just you know if they thought you had a gun they might just shoot you yeah open fire depending yeah um so we uh what we did was we bought these um pylons like yellow construction pylons that say film on them film shoot and we put them all over the trail, like like very near where we were shooting. But basically anywhere where you could see us, we had film shoot, film shoot, film shoot. And this was not official by any means. We didn't talk to the the, the you know right. the, the park guards or things like that, park uh, troopers Rangers. and things. Yeah. Um. We 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 just put all this stuff up so that anyone walking by would hopefully see these things. We had people standing at both ends of the trail around where we were shooting, and we were just trying to make sure. And because at the end of the day, what we thought was. I'd rather, you know, have a park ranger come up and say, hey, you can't shoot here. You got to leave. And because they saw the pylons, Mm -hmm. then somebody walk by without the pylons, see someone holding a gun and go, you know, I'm calling the cops. For sure. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was kind of a funny little thing where it was like, okay, we're going to be in and out in half an hour. We're going to get this scene done. Luckily, there was no dialogue. It was just a, it was just uh, like, you know, six or seven shots. Yeah. Um, And, you know. At all, I mean, that goes for another thing with location, period, though. I, I think that guns on set, we'd be at guns on location, guns on set. I try to minimize that at all. Even even if it is a situation where you've fully contacted the police and you've got all the safety, yeah. I think you that it still is. extra precaution yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Um, but no, it was, it, was, it was kind of, again, it was fun. Luckily, everything went smoothly and stuff like that. And But we had, you know, that was the day that we had the most people on set specifically because we were like, we want to lock this down. Of course, we can't actually prevent people from coming through the space, but we wanted people at both ends to just sort of say, hey, we're just doing a film shoot. You know, there's people in costume down there, so don't don't worry about them if you see them. Yeah, usually people are... I mean, you asked me if I had any stories. Gosh, I, you know, uh, living in LA and Southern California, um, I think it's... Um, there, there are greater requirements for permits. I think people, you know, it's, and I've even read, I don't know if this is a hundred percent sure, but I've even read, I mean, if you're shooting in your own home and -hmm. you've got, you know, X number of people or something like that, you still have to get a permit. I mean, obviously the city is extremely savvy. 
uh, you know, nobody, it's very, not nobody, but it is more people are likely to demand compensation for locations because it's, I mean, this is just, you know, it's a, a center of this industry. And, yeah, yeah. you know, you're not going to be able to put a camera on sticks and go out on the street and shoot. It's just not for very long. So you really do have to hone hone your shot stealing techniques. And boy, I mean, I've done it all, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, like just rigging cars with cameras and driving down Hollywood Boulevard to get exterior shots without having to get out of the car and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, using smaller, quote unquote, less professional looking cameras because it draws less attention. You could Uh, just play off as a tourist, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I've, uh, it's just, uh, I, 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 matter of fact, I'm trying to think where I have in a production that I've been a, a major part of actually had permits and it's far and few between uh, yeah. <laughs> very far and few between but um you know uh, one of the benefits of living here even though you're in la is that you're surrounded by so many different uh, landscapes i've shot in death valley and we've just gone out to death valley and shot you want to talk about uh an amazing location to shoot we didn't get any permits we just went out there now uh, one of the drawbacks of that though, was that we didn't realize it was still going to be so hot and I got heat stroke almost and was throwing <laughs> up everywhere. It was about 120 degrees. And, yeah. But, uh, so you've got to be careful, do your research about your location. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've shot in Griffith park without, uh, permits, mm-hmm. uh, and just, we got there at the crack of dawn. We, we shot at sunrise, um to get a little golden hour in but to do it when we thought there'd be a lot less people mm-hmm. and that worked out um yeah i've uh, one of the other tricks that i've used a lot and uh boy i hope this isn't going to give anything away here that's going to give me in trouble but uh i have maybe heard of i'll just say this i've heard of other people doing this thing where they will rent a location on airbnb Mm-hmm. and say that they're going to <laughs> don't, be on don't vacation. Give it away. <laughs> and And uh, and then they actually shoot. A movie. Uh, <laughs> don't so, give it away, Clark. Don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I've heard of people doing that. I've heard of people doing that. Um, oh, I, I would can, never. And, and it's substantially cheaper. It's substantially cheaper yeah. than actually going to somebody and saying hey i've got i want to shoot a film Mm -hmm. can you can you rent me your location for film shooting so um you know but it is it's a line of you know and it's a tough one because i i really don't want to be dishonest to anyone Mm -hmm. um i mean i think it's it's the it's the the difference to me and it's interesting you mentioned the beginning the herzog uh first you know him talking to the North Korean guard versus him with the Peruvian army. Or yeah. It was Peru, yeah. Um, and I think, to me, I think that the distinction there is, is like, what's worth the risk? What is, A, worth the risk, but also where's the harm Well, and what is placed? the risk? Like, what are you doing, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I think there are, you know, these things aren't ethically black and white it's a gray area and i think there is like a there there is bureaucracy which is mm-hmm. just basically red tape right which is this is the most annoying thing uh, in the world you're not hurting <laughs> right you're not hurting someone you're not you know it you're violating a rule of bureaucracy right yeah. but you aren't putting anyone at risk you aren't you know taking away someone's livelihood you're not hurting their property you're not you know so i think 
that's what I get a sense of, at least for myself. And it seems like this is what Herzog is saying. You know, you don't ever want to put yourself in a place where you're damaging someone's property or damaging nature, even, frankly. You yeah. know, although, of course, I, I think that Herzog got some flack about destroying some of the Amazon there when he moved that ship over the hill. And that's a, a whole other conversation. But I mean, you know, there is, um, there is definitely breaking bureaucracy you know breaking mm-hmm. rules that are just kind of bureaucracy and breaking rules that are actually putting people at risk are hurting people are you know so each of us as filmmakers have to kind of thread that needle and walk that line just as we do in life but yeah i've yeah. got i've got a funny maybe one final little personal anecdote too involved in this this idea of like risk and 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 yeah. this herzog style of shooting perhaps um, and I hope that I don't get in trouble for it because I still, still <laughs> technically work for this place. But um, yeah. uh, so I, it wasn't a movie that I was making. It's a friend of mine who I actually taught initially and has become sort of somewhat of a, a colleague kind of um, mm. since I taught him. And he was doing this this very, you know, wild kind of fun, crazy movie that, he, that he's been making for the past year feature and one of the shots required him and his friend to be on the top of um our former high school lighting Ooh. fireworks okay that <laughs> i already i so, get a sense of where this is going Please uh, continue. <laughs> I, he said i need someone to operate the camera here um, wait do we need a disclaimer do we need to be yeah, like don't do know, this don't, don't do, do this. this at home yeah <laughs> our, our lawyers are telling us to say not to do this um <laughs> so i just i wasn't actually on the roof with them though i was just on the, in the parking lot operating the camera but the funny thing was that I actually had to be at this guy work at my former high school. Now I do a lot of uh, both like course content advisory for the film course and things like that and guest artist work and, and some, you know, promotional work for them. Hmm. Um, I had to be there that day to work. And so I was there at like six in the morning as the sunrise filming this kid and his friend on the roof lighting oh. up fireworks oh my and i was like terrified that there was gonna be cops called because oh. it's kind of hard to discreetly light fireworks yes um, and then so that happens we all just struck everything instantly drove away we had this like meeting point set so we could get away it was like a bank robbery nice and then I love you it. know i went back to bed for like an hour woke up and went went to work <laughs> at the exact place that i was which is hilarious but i mean it does come into like like you said you know is anyone's livelihood at risk there's a the great story but william friedkin on the french connection talking to i don't know who it was it wasn't the, i don't think it was the head of the mta but it was some sort of department head uh, at the MTA, and he said, you know, Friedkin goes up to him and says, we want to do this this chase scene mm. on the subway where the car is chasing the subway, and we want to get it all as real as we can. Yeah. We want the car actually there Great in the subway scene, by going. The way. And the, the uh, MTA guy said, you know, if I, I would love to let you do it, but I'd be fired. I would be fired, and I'd never be able to get another job in this industry in my life. And William Friedkin said, okay, I'll give you a selection of the profits of the movie oh, if you let us do this. I've not So that if you get story. fired, you can, you can, you know, you can retire. And the guy was like, well, I don't know if it's going to be a, a good success, blah, blah, blah. And Friedkin convinced him eventually. So he did it. He let him do it. They did that amazing car chase under the subway and on the subway and all that. Yeah. And uh, the guy got fired. <laughs> and But now and then he retired immediately because he made, you know, the movie did well. And so it's, he made this money and was This able is to legit? Just, this is yeah. a legitimate story? I mean, story? I've, I've never read a legitimate account of it, but it's a kind of, maybe Urban it's a wide style. But I'm pretty sure it's actually true. I heard it uh, at a screening of the French Connection. Well, maybe if any once. of our listeners here... Uh, you know we can call out the uh cumulative mind here you know the 
yeah. uh, here of our audience. And if anybody hears anything more about this, but it's a great story. And at Friedkin, I believe it. It could happen. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's, it is, it's, um, it, as with, you know, I think one of the wonderful things about filmmaking in general is that it is like such a creative, I mean, it's just every single aspect of filmmaking is this gray problem solving area. Yeah. Um, I describe it sometimes as the, you know, you're building a sandcastle on a beach and the waves are coming in and it's literally just using your hands to keep yeah, the rest of the sandcastle Some, from falling Sometimes over. frantically, right, right, yeah. right. Um, Wow. Well, and it, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, you talked about you felt like it was a heist because I love it. It's you know, uh, again in in wonderful Herzog style, he finishes this lesson with such a great you know quote or statement. And he talks about you know that it's like you've you know what's the what's the final rule? The final rule is leave, get away with film, leave with film. Mm-hmm. You know, do what you must. Don't complain. Buck up get away with film and i love this analogy that he makes that we're thieves mm-hmm. you know and yeah. that the loot that we're the loot that we're out to get is 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 film and you've got to go to these amazing places right i mean that's where the treasure is hidden mm-hmm. that's what right it's not on the beaten path it's not out in the open it's not the thing that's been shot a million times before you've got to go out there and find new visions to bring back to an yeah. audience you've got yeah. to go find those treasures and that we're like bank robbers and what we do is hit and run and i just ah god it's, it's, just, it's a great the line i mean he could inspire anyone to go out and shoot right now i think I, <laughs> i'm telling you like i'm getting excited i'm like okay god you know it, i've been uh with covid and everything i've been doing so much planning uh writing planning uh pre-productions and i've not gotten to get out and shoot in a mm-hmm. long time and oh i'm like especially as i as i reiterate herzog's words here uh i feel like i've got it i'm getting inspired Get that urge, yeah. yeah yeah and so i think that's you know that's a great way to look at it and i think um you know uh it's like uh maybe we're a robin hood you know of where we're like stealing from the rich and giving to the poor you know but we're taking these visions taking the you know being able to but I mean, that's what I treasures. love about that's what I like about film is that even when you are stealing, you're not actually taking anything; you're replicating. Right. Yeah, and it's the right. same. Well, it's the same thing that that classic thing of just like you know the trophy hunter versus the photographer. Yeah. Photographer just gets just as you know much more beautiful, in my opinion, of a result without yes. the need actually to take killing. a life, right? Yes, and, that... and I think that that kind of can be said for all film. Is that like you know, especially with things like that's why I love to I know there, there's the there's the half of me that of course is always whenever I'm seeing something amazing for the first time, if I'm in a mountain range, I love to take it in with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. But I also do like to have a camera there with me because I just it, it is also just so much fun to just discover new ways to capture that and to, yeah. you know, express it and not to be one of those people that, you know, goes to a concert and holds their phone in front of their face the whole time. <laughs> oh, God, no, um, please don't be like, that that's person. the worst. But but um, I think there's a happy middle ground of, of, you know, being able to take it in while you're there, but also be able to come out with something with it and, and you well, know, I, be able to have yeah, that I, footage. I, and... I agree. I, and it, for me, and it's a little bit off the path here, but for me, it's it's a compartmentalization, I guess, in a sense. And I mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know how you uh, think about this film as a whole. It got, uh, it's not a Herzog film. It got eh, middling reviews, I think. But the... Um, 
uh, what was the I, now I can't remember the exact title, but it was the Walter Mitty movie. Oh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Secret yeah, Life ben of Stiller. Walter Mitty, and that Ben Stiller. Uh, but there is a a fun scene near the end with Sean Penn. Mm-hmm. where he is you know in this don't want to give away the film so much but it's you know basically stiller's character ends up after a very long journey um uh on this hillside this mountainside with sean penn and they have this conversation sean penn plays a like a world-renowned uh photographer in the film and they have this conversation where sean is like you know um he's been searching for this moment uh for a very long period of time and he's gone to great lengths to get this moment and he lets it go he doesn't take a picture of it because he just wants to be in the moment and doesn't want the camera as a distraction mm-hmm. and um I, I i for me i've kind of compartmentalized where when i'm on a personal uh, journey somewhere or i'm you know I'm, I'm there kind of like as a individual person i tend to prefer to be present and to not have a camera with me or see what i'm seeing through that camera but then i can like flip a switch and it's like okay now i'm like working or i'm creating mm-hmm. clark and i you know and then i i get out the camera and i and i work but for me i see it as like i've had to kind of compartmentalize it for me so i don't know is, is well that i think a- i mean I, again with this iceland thing too was like iceland was half a vacation and half of a footage banking kind of experience that i could just get a bunch of b-roll in iceland um but there was never a moment where i felt that i missed out on something and again it was similarly i was very very careful to make sure that you know if i was at a location i was sitting there and enjoying it and looking at it and then i'd go okay i'm gonna you know set up my camera and i'm gonna i'm gonna capture maybe i'm just old maybe i'm just old i think social media has got me really burned out from that Um, perhaps yeah and maybe (laughs) maybe it's just a generational thing too i know i think a herzog i remember you know that he has talked about and i can't place exactly where this was if it was an interview if it i don't think it was in one of the master classes maybe it was in an interview or a uh guide for the perplexed or something i can't remember maybe somebody can call that out for me where he talks about you know that there are private moments and that you keep that to yourself and that that's like for your own life and then there is film mm-hmm. and so that kind of spoke to me but uh yeah i think for myself i had to kind of compartmentalize it and kind of mm-hmm. separate myself but you know sure it's like it's not like you're you you turn off this like i'm i'm always when i when i'm there seeing things okay you know what stories could this maybe tell wow this would you know what kind of what what locate you know how could i use this location or something like that but there's definitely moments where i'm like in this experience right now yeah and i don't i don't want to pull out a camera no totally yeah yeah um and and maybe just before we wrap up i did find out that it is it is in fact true that they uh, gave him a percentage of the budget and he lived happily ever after in jamaica is what director william friedkin says well i'll be (laughs) damned i mean there's no better way to end the podcast than on that wonderful note so there you go all right well uh thank you so much colin uh as always i've had a uh, really thoroughly enjoyed our conversation here about locations Mm -hmm. and the Werner herzog masterclass uh lev uh lesson what was this one seven this was seven yep wow it's just blowing my mind that we're already we're done here with with episode six of our podcast this time flies when you're having fun all right exactly so uh next time then we will be discussing uh herzog's master class lesson eight mm-hmm. which is leading 
the platoon. That's going to be a fun one. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so much as always, Cullen. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you everybody out there for listening. We appreciate you. We hope that it's been fun and maybe even slightly informative. And until next time, everyone have a wonderful week and steal those shots <laughs> and read, 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 read. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye everyone. Bye-bye.